We're going to get straight into the thought for today. And, and today is the beginning of what we do consider to be a very significant series. It's an annual series in our church. And we call this series Future Church because at the beginning of every calendar year, what we like to do is simply frame what the year is going to look like. It's not necessarily specifics. It's not entirely around uh, projects per se, but it's to set the year before us as a community that we can all operate within the same framework, be on the same page, be aligned in our local expression. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is to align ourselves to the kingdom of God rather than to just co-church, but we outwork that through our local expression. And so we want to frame the year and it is important for our hearts to be aligned. It's important for us to find ourselves on the same page, heading towards the same direction, and that we would continue to extend that towards others that might be around us and that we would carry it. That it's not just something that is dictated to us, but that your hearts would be receptive and that you, by the Spirit of God, because we don't want to build our church upon the efforts of our ability and skill and gifting alone. We want to see the Spirit of God being the one who ultimately builds His church not by might, nor by effort, but by the Spirit of God. That is our heart's desire. And so even as I speak and as I put something before you, I am well aware that I could deliver the greatest message of all time, but unless it is of revelation and unless it is of the anointing of God's Spirit in your life, it really just is going to only go so far. And so I'm not trying to deliver to you the most eloquent message, but I'm rather trusting and believing that the Spirit of God is going to align our hearts, is going to knit us together, that there would be strength in our community and that the year ahead would be framed in the right light. Typically what we've done over the last two years, for those that are unaware, we are now in our third year uh, as a church. So we're still kind of early days and finding our feet and still forming to a degree. But the way that I've started uh, the, the last two years is speaking more into who we are becoming rather than what we are doing. And I've really titled it like that, Future Church, uh, the church we want to become. There's something of a desire to have an internal shaping rather than an external performance, which really sets us on course for a long-term sustainable future. There, there is power in character. That is both for us as individuals, but also for us as a church. And so I've been very vested in ensuring we're speaking into character and the church we are becoming. And, and previously I've spoken along the lines of the church we want to become is a church that is deeply formed by Christ. When we live in a day and age where so many things could be forming us, that there are so many things vying for our attention, that it would be Christ and Christ alone that we are looking to, to form who we are. We want to become a church that is the essence of community. It's been a part of our DNA from day dot. We want to be a church where we can legitimately say with sincerity that community exists and the essence of that. Really, it's the definition of what community is. 
We want, to, we want to become a church that is known for restoration. Isaiah 58 on the back wall there, as you walk out and as you walk in, it is a key foundational passage of scripture to us that we would be known as rebuilders and restorers of homes. And that is uh, to outwork itself in, in very uh, personal, individual, localized family settings. But also we want to continue along the path that we would be known for restoration in the wider community in which we find ourselves. Um, you know, I think Tam was mentioning to live just recently about how in our early years as a church, we've already been a part of two projects where we have built homes for people. And that sounds like quite a lavish, extravagant thing. I don't want to oversell that. Uh, obviously, it's all relative and by what you compare it to. But we have played a part in building dwellings, safe places for uh, a gogo who lives in Shaka's Head. She was looking after 15 children. And so we, her, her shack, literally was a shack, was falling to pieces. And so a group of us got together and through just a very small group, were able to resource the rebuilding of a safe dwelling for her. Uh, and then last year, we partnered with Ambleside School and there was uh, a lady um, kind of towards Grautville. There was that freak storm that came through last year, maybe the year before actually, uh, and just kind of swept her house away, uh, like literally blew it down. And so again, we, we collaborated and partnered and we outworked that desire to be known for restoration in a very practical way. And our heart's desire is that we would see that more and more and more. We want to become a church that is known for restoration. We want to become a church that is a house of salvation. There is no greater miracle in existence than the miracle of salvation. For a soul to be made alive again, to be uh, brought into eternal existence, that there would be forgiveness and new beginnings, that there would be the slate being wiped clean, that people would come to know their identity in Christ. We want to become a church that is a house of salvation, and we want to become a church that are carriers of good news. Man, we live in a time where there is so much bad news. And how much of the bad news gets perpetuated? Um, when Tam and I dropped off Q on Monday or Tuesday, the grade eights had their orientation time and we we're coming out of the school, uh, actually at, at, at his bell ringing ceremony, Tam met a lady and straight away we picked up that this lady was foreign. She had an accent. Turns out she's from Argentina. We had a brief conversation with her. Then on the way out, we connected the dots that we met her husband, you know, because again, Spanish, hola, como esta, you know, type of vibes. Very impressed. I know you are. Um, but it was interesting chatting with him. And we kind of get to this conversation where we find out, you know, is he, are they living here? What the story is? And, and he just said, they've lived here for 10 years. And um, his comment was that a lot of South Africans don't fully appreciate how good we actually have it. Even with all of our complications and mess and frustrations and challenges, his comment was, we don't fully appreciate how good we have it in this country. And he said when they uh, made the decision to reside in South Africa, they had the option to live anywhere else in the world with their work. And they had lived. They had lived in Hawaii. They had lived in North America. They had lived uh, in, um, I think, even Australia, somewhere along those lines. And they chose to live in South Africa. Not just in South Africa, people. They chose to live in KZN. I mean, what is going on? 
They chose to live here. But he was just saying, like, we have it good. Yes, we have some challenges. Yes, there are some difficulties. But may we be people who continue to highlight the good news. There is no better news than the good news of the gospel. That there is a God who loves all mankind, loves us so much that he made a way for us when we could not make a way for ourselves. And that even in our flaws and failings, he extended grace and extends grace over and over and over. And in his loving kindness, he makes a way available for us. That is the good news. Let me perpetuate that. This year, I want to take a slightly different approach and not speak so much into the church that we are becoming, but actually to speak and to frame the year by the phrase, Pathways Home. Uh, it was towards the end of, of last year, which was only, what, six weeks ago. <laughs> Sounds like history last year. Uh, but a few weeks ago, just coming towards the end of the year and, and considering, okay, coming into 2024 and knowing that we find ourselves at the beginning of a new calendar year and, and we do want to bring some framing to who we are. This, this phrase, um, not that I even necessarily read it anywhere or saw it, it just was in me. Like it just kept coming back to my mind and, and to my consciousness and, and this thought of pathways home that this would be the phrase that we grab a hold of, that we receive, that we use to really frame everything of what 2024 is going to be. So what is a pathway? In, in transport terms, there is a phrase called a desire path, which is also used in context as to what pathways are. A desire path. When, when I'm thinking of a pathway, that's a photo from the, um, is it, Stanford or Sanford? Yeah, Hermanus. Stanford. That's kind of Stanford in the Western Cape. Um, look, they didn't even have tar in the Western Cape. It's just dirt roads. You know what I mean? What's going on over there? Um, but when I was thinking about pathways, I wasn't necessarily thinking about nice, cleanly paved pathways. I was thinking more of, of, of a, a natural, rugged, um, words like uh, goat track. That's another way to describe a pathway. When you go through uh, the Eastern Cape, the Transkei region, it's amazing how many pathways you see through the rolling green hills of the Transkei. You know, they, 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 areas of traverse, there's pathways that have been created. The best way to describe what a pathway is, it is the best, most uncomplicated, direct route to a desired future. That is what a pathway is. The best, most uncomplicated, direct way to a desired future. And I want you to think about it in those terms when we're speaking about pathways home. It is the best, most uncomplicated, direct route to a desired destination or desired future. I remember... Um, Tam and I played a role in getting Hillsong South Africa started in around 2009, 2010. We were living in London at the time and um, I was flying out from London, spending like three days in Cape Town, meeting with people and getting things started with Hillsong South Africa. And one of the primary reasons why there was such momentum for that church to begin was that there were a whole bunch of South Africans, 
some of us might be familiar with this, end of 2000s, end of 1990s into early 2000s, it was quite a straightforward process for South Africans to find themselves in the United Kingdom doing a working holiday. Uh, you didn't need that much in your bank account. You didn't need many prerequisites. It was fairly straightforward. And so what was happening was there were a lot of South Africans coming into London, finding themselves in our church in London, and then really either having a renewal of their faith. They were coming alive to Jesus. They were coming alive to, to the value and the significance of what the church is. And something within them was really just desiring to go all in to the kingdom of God. And then the visas were coming to an end and a lot of them were coming back to South Africa. And the messages we were getting was that they were finding it very difficult to participate and enter into the community of the churches that they were finding themselves in. They were finding it very complicated. They were finding it very bureaucratic. And it was difficult for them with all of this desire to participate. It was almost like there was a limit put on. And so for me, when I think about Pathways Home, I think of the complete opposite of that scenario, whereby it is uncomplicated, it is direct, and it is the most effective way to home, a pathway. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for Pathways. Last year, I was deceived by some to enter a trail running race. And it just happened to be in the Drakensberg and uh, UTD is what it is called. There are some of us who are potentially looking at it. I say potentially because I haven't registered yet. Kind of, I'm hedging my bets a little bit. But um, it was my first ever trail running race. First ever. And now it's in uh, the Drakensberg Mountains. It's actually an area that Tam and I go to year on year. We go to the Southernberg typically as a family uh, most years. So I was familiar with the mountains just as a landscape. I was not familiar with the mountains in being physically present inside of them. Okay? Particularly getting up into the mountains and then traversing what there was. But I can tell you what my greatest fear was in running this trail. Yes, that maybe I was going to die out of physical exhaustion. That was definitely a fear. But one of them was getting lost. I'm like, how am I going to get to the destination when it is not running on a road and when it is in the mountains? And I've heard horror stories, and there are some trail runners in the room I appreciate who could uh, validate these horror stories where people do get lost on these trail running races and then they end up running like another 20 kilometers, which is not my vibe, okay? It's not what I'm looking for. Um, I was significantly upset when I looked at my watch, when I'd run the actual distance advertised and there was still more to run. So getting lost and running further is not a desire of mine. So I was, I was freaked out about getting lost and I'm, I'm trying to now work out on my watch. How do I get like a map and how do I make sure that everything and, and we did get the map and coach Don over here helped me with, with my map and everything. But all the guys just kept saying to me is like, you just need to relax because it is so clearly marked by little markers, but also the pathway is so clear. There is no way that you're going to miss it. And it was 100% true. The pathway was so clearly cut. It, it was so clearly laid out before us 
that there was no way that I wasn't going to end at my destination, which was definitely my desired future. I wanted to be there desperately. Okay? And so pathways, pathways are effective in ensuring that there is efficiency. Pathways are effective in ensuring that there's actually health. In any body, any grouping, any community, to have clear pathways are, are vital for there to be health within the community. You start to think of your own body. There, there's something called biological pathways. And, and they are vital to ensuring that our body is healthy, that it is operating at its optimum, that it is functioning as it is desired to function. You know, for your body to develop properly and stay healthy, many things must work together at many different levels. And that's why I love in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, the church is very clearly metaphored as a body. Because it's so clear to us that like our human bodies, where there are so many different parts, each part as important as the other, no one part more important than the other, but every part playing its part for the health of the body, but not just so that the body is healthy, but that the body is effective in outworking the mission of the body. But there needs to be clear pathways in order for that health to exist. Our body is receiving cues and messages all the time. It's prompted by injury or uh, infection or stress or food or lack of food. And to react to these adjustments, which is, you think about the times in which we've lived over the last five years. In order for the body to react effectively, there needs to be clear pathways because it is along the biological pathways that the functions are outworked, that the mission is outworked, that the messages are clear. Now, it's important for us to realize that there are certain pathways that exist that we shouldn't go down. And that just because there is a pathway doesn't mean that that is the right pathway for us. We did a holiday uh, last year we drove down to Cozy Bay, up to Cozy Bay. It's going to split the room, I can tell. Up or down to Cozy Bay. Whatever, it's down. Down to Cozy Bay. Whatever, it's down. Felt like it's more at sea level. That's what I felt like I had to drive down. Um, up to Cozy Bay, okay? We went to Cozy Bay. Now, I pride myself on being good with my geography. It's a little bit of an ego trip that I have. I'm like, I know maps and I know where things are. And uh, so, so Tam talked to me about, about Cozy Bay and we're going to go camping with some friends. And um, next thing, I get on the phone to another friend of mine and I'm like, hey, we're going to be in your area soon. And I just wanted to get some local tips. And he's like, oh, cool. Um, so I'm like, so Cozy Bay, uh, it's close to this. What do we need to do there? And he's like, I don't live in Cozy Bay. <laughs> It's like, I, I, live, I, I live in Cape Vidal. Obviously, you can't live in Cape Vidal, but that's kind of the description. St. Lucia, Cape Vidal. And I'm like, I thought they were the same place. Little did I know they are separated by hours of driving. Cozy Bay is like six hours away, five hours away. It's, it's crazy. Um, so we drive down to, to Cozy Bay and, and we stayed at a campsite like right at the top of the hill, right at the entrance to the national park of the estuary of Cozy Bay. I don't know if you've ever been there before. You, you go to Cozy Bay. I'm not going back, I'll be honest. I loved it. I loved it. Loved it. Beautiful. 
Beautiful, beautiful spot. If you've never been, definitely go. I'm probably not going to go back. Because, no, no, because, because really, unless you like fishing, which I don't, uh, walking on the beach, which I'm not particularly that keen on, um, snorkeling, Michelle, you love snorkeling. I know you love snorkeling. Michelle snorkels everywhere she goes. If she goes for a swim at Salt Rock Beach, not e- no, no, not even in the swimming pools. She's, she's snorkeling in the bathing area. Michelle, she's snorkeling in swimming pools. That's, she is. She's snorkeling. Can't deny it. Loves, loves a good snorkel, old Michelle, over here. Um, I'm not that into it. I mean, it was awesome, but I, yeah. So that's the only reason, okay? But if you've never been, it's awesome. If you love that stuff, amazing. But I didn't know Cozy Bay whatsoever. So we stayed at the campsite and friends of ours who were with, he spoke to somebody in the campsite and they were trying to describe to us the best place to park. Because when you drive down towards the estuary where the river mouth is, is where you do the snorkeling and where you can kind of get onto the beach. They were saying to us, if you wanted to park in an area that, got you straight onto the beach instead of in the estuary, which meant you had to walk through the water to get to the river mouth. Then you drive down, you'll get to a car park, look for a pathway, a track to dirt road or beach sand. Uh, you need kind of need a four by four, not that it's heavy four by four, but it's soft beach sand. Drive down that track, ignore all the people in the car park who are trying to get you to park there. Drive straight through for a little while, no real specifics, until you come to like an army barracks, an old army barracks, park next to that, and there's a road that runs straight onto the beach. Awesome. You don't have to get wet. So I'm like, amazing. None of the other adults decided to come with me, and I had all of the children in the car with me. And so I head on down. I get to the car park. I'm like, okay, cool. This is the car park. I can see a track. I'm going straight down. So I drive down and, and I've got to put it in a four by four now because it is soft beach sand and it's literally just a single, you know, like two tire tracks and the bush is thick. Like it's, I'm scratching my car. There's no way for me to turn around. I cannot slow down. I have to keep going fast. Otherwise I'm going to get stuck. So I'm thinking, okay, a few moments. Like what does that mean? 10 minutes, five minutes, 30 seconds, 5K is what? I don't know. So I keep going. I'm looking for this army barracks. I'm thinking, Surely an army barracks is going to be clear. Like, no army barracks. I keep driving. I keep driving. I'm probably on this road now for 20 minutes. Okay, now, now, this is how little I knew about Cozy Bay. I didn't know that Cozy Bay was on the border of Mozambique. I'm like, I I just was naive to the fact that, so I'm driving, I'm driving, 20 minutes. I can't turn around. I can't stop. I'm driving. Until eventually we come to like a clearing. There's a whole bunch of buildings in front of me. And there's some people in the clearing. All the kids are with me. We're trying to figure out like, is this the beach? We've driven for like ages now. So I look at some of these people and I'm like, classic like tourist dude, you know, like this white dude with a whole bunch of white kids. Uh, Is this the beach? You know, like I felt like such an idiot, you know. promise you they looked at me like I was an alien. And they're like... This is not the beach, broken kind of English. You, you need to turn around and head back. You know? I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'll turn around, head back. We go, I go back up to the campsite and the campsite was up on a hill. So now I'm standing overlooking where we were going and I kind of I look at the sand dune that I was driving alongside and I kind of see some buildings in the distance and I'm like, I think those are the buildings that we looked at. And my mate standing next to me, he's like, 
That's Pontadora. That's Mozambique. You literally drove on a dirt track. I did go through a boom gate at one stage that had no entry, but it was open. So I kept going. I couldn't turn around. So I pretty much drove to Mozambique. Um, so there are some pathways that you don't necessarily want to go down because they're not going to take you to a desired future. They're not going to take you to the right destination. And, and we have to be wise and we have to be astute and we have to be uh, understood and we have to seek the wisdom of God when it comes to pathways. This um, idea of pathways, ultimately the destination that I want us to be concentrating on is pathways home. And, and I got a video in a second, Austin, but think about what a pathway is. It is um, the best, most uncomplicated, direct route to a desired future. And we have a few desired futures in our church that we are yet to realize that we are very much at a pioneering stage. You think about any pathway before it exists, it's going to require a cutting in. It's going to require uh, a vision. It's going to require persistence and passion. It's going to require sacrifice and will. It's going to require something of us to cut pathways. And there are some pathways that over the last three years, we're in our third year, that have been cut and we will continue to cut into them and tread along them because we believe them to be the right pathways and we are seeing the fruit of it. But there are some pathways that are yet to even be begun. Wrong language, sorry. Yet to even start. And, and for me, one of those pathways sits primarily, and I'm sorry to call the two young guys out here, you know, and, and make them a bit embarrassed because teenagers kind of get a bit like that. But when you look around the room, we can see quite clearly that there is a fairly general demographic that we have in our church. Now, there is significant opportunity for that demographic to be far more varied, to have a variety and a diversity in its physical expression. But when you look at it from an age perspective, where we are finding right now a opportunity is primarily around cutting a new pathway for a younger generation a generation that currently does not quite exist in our church yet. It's, it's, there's, there's potential, there's, there's opportunity, there is future ahead of us. But we have what is often termed in, I guess, scientific or sociological studies, uh, we have a, a lot of Gen X in our church. And Gen Xs is a generation that they would say is typically born between 1965 and 1980. I'm right on that border. I'm like a, I'm a Gen Xer millennial because I was born in December 1979. So right there on the cusp. But we've got a lot of Gen Xers. Uh, we've got a lot of kind of later year millennials. That's uh, people born between 1981 and 1996, typically is what they say. But where we are currently lacking is in the boomer kind of demographic which is those born uh, 1955, 1964, uh, 60s and above. But also, we don't quite yet have that Gen Z demographic in our church. And that's typically 1997 to 2012. Uh, you know, if you currently find yourself between the ages of about 12 to 27, 
That's how they frame it. Now, we don't need to get too specific about those. We don't need to box ourselves and label ourselves and, you know, all the stuff that comes with those demographic labels. But there is absolutely opportunity for us to cut pathways for particular demographics. Now, I want us to have a focus on Gen Z for this year ahead. Now, all of us older folk, particularly if we would say, well, if we're lacking in Gen Z and we're lacking in boomers, um, Bruce and Les, again, I don't mean to call you out. This is in all respect and sincerity, but we absolutely love having you and we want to see that demographic flourishing 100%. But here's the opportunity that exists for all of us that would be older than Gen Z. If we're going to say we're going to put a focus on it, it does not mean that we are detracting any value from other demographics. It's not to say that any other demographics are not important. We're seeing incredible fruit with a younger than Gen Z. What is that even called nowadays? Alpha. It's a bit unfair. Yeah, alpha. Jeez. Okay, whatever. Um, but we're seeing like, an, like you just see the amount of children that, that leave our room. You know, like when we say, okay, cool, kids head on out. So our kids team led by Tam, from my perspective, is doing such a phenomenal job with what we have. Yes, there is always opportunity for it to be better and opportunities for growth. And, and, and we do want to see that. We're so grateful for that team. But when it comes to what, Gen Z, is that the right term? Gen Z? Yeah. Um, because we want to place emphasis on it, because we want to cut a new pathway, what it actually says is to all of us that are older, it's an opportunity for us, not that we would be discounted or devalued, but that actually it's going to require us to cut that new pathway. Because it's not so much about trying to cut a new pathway for Gen Z and then leaving it to Gen Z. It's about saying we as a community recognize that there is opportunity for that. And how can we bring our resource, our gift, our talent, our faith, our energy to cutting that pathway for Gen Z? But it's also to say to Gen Z, I know you guys, you are on the younger end of Gen Z and you're kind of right in there. And I saw Jess nudging. Uh, what, what is your name? Sorry. Michaela, sorry to call you out. First time here, bang, I'm just calling your name out. Uh, we do have an initiation that you have to do a dance at the end of the service. We'll get you up at, at the end of that. But you know, kind of probably more in the middle of what that looks like. Um, so at the end of the day, Q and Johns, Michaela, there's no pressure on you, by the way. There is on you two. You guys have been around for too long. You're not going anywhere, unfortunately. You're just born into what this is. Um, but, but the opportunity for you guys is you can play a role in cutting that pathway. That you guys can actually be the leaders. And I know Sienna and Jesse and a couple other of our teenagers who are at, at school because it's a closed weekend for boarding. But that we, as the older, want to actually get alongside these younger crew and empower them and invest into them and create opportunities. And then we would see that there is a younger alpha group coming up which we're going to see incredible fruit and significance from. But the pathway that we are trying to cut, the desired destination, is the destination of home. Pathways, home. So what does home mean to you? And I thought it would be cool to pose that question to a few this week. And um, full disclaimer, I 
cut and edited and put this little video together. So if you think it is terrible, just give me some grace. Hi, I'm Christian. I'm Adrian. Hi, my name is Hannah. I'm John T. Hello, my name is Marie. Hey, my name is Thor. I'm Devin Shoot. To me, uh, home means uh, your place of comfort, a place where you belong. Home is family, is familiarity. To me, home is where I can come together with my family, in love and sharing and security. My idea of a home is that it's not a physical place. It's a place where you're surrounded by the people you love, and those people love you unconditionally. Uh, home, for me, uh, in my old age, I've realized that it's actually not really a place anymore, but it is more of an experience, and it's always generally around people, and the experience I'm having in that moment with them, in the way that that moment brings out the best in me. Home to me is a safe place. A place you can laugh, a place you can cry, a place you can really be yourself. To me, home means a place where I can feel loved and safe. It's my comfort zone. I think that home is a feeling. As people say, please feel at home. Even if you're not physically in a building, you can also be made to feel comfortable, feel free. It's a place where I get to be uh, exactly who I am. This gives you a sense of belonging and comfort. That's where I feel most at home. For John and I, being a parent, home is family, and it's a place where we have strived to make an environment where um, we can all grow in love for one another. To be able to be my most natural, most happy, most free self, um, then I feel like, okay, cool, yeah, now I'm at home. It is a place where we can find our identity together and especially have times of fun and adventure and to make lots of memories together. I think it's also important to recognize that, um, you know, one has to be grateful for having a home because some people don't have homes. And above all, for us, home is a place where we can pray together. It's a family that prays together, stays together. And John and I can testify to that. This is what home means to us. Well done to our incredible superstars who participated. I mean, there's all futures in television for you now, which is amazing. You can put that on your CV, okay? I was in a co-church video. Home. It's a, it's a powerful word, right? And it's, it's um, significant. There's a, a yearning within every single one of us to be home, to be at home. And I love, Christian, how you said that home is a feeling and, and we, we encourage people to feel at home. When you start to look at what that word means, it, it talks of, of comfort zones. Hannah, I love the way she said that. Um, it's a, it's a safe place. It's a place where family gathers. It's a place of enjoyment, of, of, of memories, of fun. It's a place of identity. Identity for me, particularly when it comes to Gen Z, it's a huge one, huge. And for people to find themselves in a place, in a community that's not necessarily a physical structure, but that actually it is a place where we can grow in our identity. It's a place of belonging, of security, of stability. 
So over the next three weeks, this week included, I, I do want to speak into home, the, the pathways home. And, and what I want to speak about is that home is a person. Home is also a people and home is a place. We can't deny the place of home. And for us as a church in 2024, I mentioned earlier, even just our lease agreements and us finding ourselves in this space, for us, this is going to be a year where we need to put some concerted effort in determining what at least our medium-term future is going to look like from a places and spaces perspective. But I wanted to start, and I'm going to take a little bit longer, not too much longer. I want to wrap it up with this, but it's, it's setting the precedent of what home is. Because oftentimes when we talk about home, we do go too quickly to the place and the structure. And even in the year ahead, as we're going to be talking about our place and structure and space, we might then think, because we're giving it a lot of airtime, that it holds priority and where priorities lie. But we need to ensure that we have the right priority when it comes to home. And for me, it begins with home being a person, and that person is Jesus. Everything of what was described in that video, everything of what might be described in a dictionary definition of home, everything of what all of us and every single human being yearns for and desires to find in home is actually first and foremost found in Jesus. Particularly as we've highlighted Gen Z, that there for me is really where so much of where health could exist, is that if we can cut a pathway for a younger generation to find themselves at home, but home being Jesus. And that is the first priority. That is the ultimate desired destination of any pathway that we are going to cut, continue to cut, tread on. That pathway home is a person and his name is Jesus. Psalm 91, when we consider who Jesus is, Jesus is God. That's who he is. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Jesus is the incarnation of God in the flesh, walking amongst humanity in time and space. Jesus is God. And so when we look at Psalm 91, it says this, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress, my God in whom I trust. When we think of a safe place, when we think of a refuge, when we think of strength, when we think of everything of what home is, God is first and foremost that. And Jesus is God. Jesus is home. In John chapter 14, Jesus replies to a group in verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus is home. In Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says this, Come to me, all who are weary and heavily burdened, 
and I will give you rest. Now think about home. Rest is such a key component of home. And rest in a society of chaos, rest in a society where busyness is elevated to some idol and some God, where productivity and achievement is so highly esteemed, when we are spinning at the beginning of school year, at the end of a school year, in the middle of a school year, we're just spinning because there's so much going on. Rest is found at home. It's found in Jesus. Come to me and I will give you rest and I will give you rest for your soul. In Ephesians chapter one, Eugene Peterson in the message in verse 11 says it like this. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for identity. Home is about forming identity and Christ is the one who brings identity. It's in him that we find home. So pathways home. We want to begin ensuring that Christ is the desired destination. Always, all the time. He is priority. Everything of what home brings is found in him. But we will be talking about home being people and home being a place. But practically speaking, when it comes to pathways home to Jesus, we have to recognize that it's going to require personal devotion, community impartation, and personal invitation. See what I did there? All the shins. Yeah? Hey, I love it that my wife laughs at my jokes. How good's that? Hey, Dev, you need somebody to laugh at your jokes, man. Personal devotion. Community impartation. Impartation comes largely through other people. But personal invitation. What's that speaking to is the pathway to those that don't yet know Jesus. Is it uncomplicated? Is it direct? Is it the best way to Christ? Or do we make it so difficult that people go down wrong pathways all the time? So Alpha is going to become a big pathway for us. The Alpha course. And we'll talk more about it if you haven't yet heard about it. But Alpha is something that I want to bring back into the consciousness of our church. I was telling somebody, uh, Alistair, who's sitting at the back there. Again, I'm just calling everybody out this morning. Bang, bang, watch out. Steve Root, watch out. Uh, but I was chatting with Alistair this week, and I was just kind of sharing the story of how our church began. And really, our church began through Alpha. That was one of the first things we ever did. I think Dev and Lee, you guys were there. We ran Alpha uh, in Amplanga and we ran Alpha in Belito. That's how we started. Alpha is such a, an incredible pathway to Jesus, particularly for those who don't yet know who Jesus is. So we want to bring that back in, in some highlighted way and give some attention to it. We also want to continue to highlight what we started last year through practicing the way. Again, it's another resource that exists. Alpha for me is primarily a pathway to those who don't know Jesus to come to know Christ. Practicing the way is a pathway for those of us who've entered into a relationship with Christ to continue to grow in that relationship with Christ. So uh, practicing the way is pioneered by a guy called John Mark Comer, uh, written some incredible books, which I know some have read, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He's written his latest book is called Practicing the Way of Jesus. Um, and, and they have an incredible church resource that exists that we ran last year. We ran it twice. I think Don and steve ran a, a Practicing the Way group, which was awesome. And then we as a church through August ran the Fasting Practicing the Way. 
So again, that is something that we want to continue to utilize and empower our church to run that we can see these pathways to Jesus. Pathways home, 2024. It's what we desire, it's what we're praying for and hoping for and believing that we'll see people finding home more and more. Can I pray with us? Because again, I really want this to be by God's spirit, not just an emotive sort of time, but revelatory, sincere, led by the spirit of God. So Father, we commit to you uh, this calendar year, this new cycle, this rhythm of what is before us. And Lord, we offer to you what we are giving expression to, what might be in my heart, but that it would be imparted to us as a local community, as a local church, that we would carry this desire, this intent, this purpose of pathways home. And for every age, for every demographic, that we would own this and it would be by your spirit. It would be something that is strengthened by you, graced by you, blessed by you, that we would see pathways that have already been cut continue to be made more clear, more effective, more direct to the desired destination of home, but that actually we would see new pathways, new pathways cut for a younger generation, but that it would require all of us as generations to get behind and to empower and equip to see new pathways home for a young generation to find themselves in Jesus. 